Hello, Damon. Good afternoon, Jeremy. How are you? I am well. It's fire season here in Montana. It was smoky two days ago, not too smoky yesterday, indeterminate today. I ran because I dropped my kid at the bus stop because she went to school. Oh my God. For the first time in six months. And we'll see if that ever happens again. In theory, today <laughs> was her last first day of elementary school. Hmm. And she had to bring a million things, like all the things you have to bring on the first day, plus like a hazmat suit. And (laughs) so she had forgotten some of her hazmat suit at home. So we're at the bus stop waiting for the bus. I'm like, ah, and I just ran up hill, grabbed it, ran downhill, got back before the bus. And either I'm out of shape or there's a lot of smoke in the air. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it's option B. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm in shape, but the world is not, I guess. (laughs) I want to talk to you today about how do we deal with this? I want to talk to you today about mantras. Mm. I know you've got a mantra that's dear to your heart, but I don't really know exactly what it is. And I don't know the story behind it or how long you've been using it. And Mm. I've got a few up my sleeve, even though I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt. So... (laughs) Let's talk about mantras. Is that okay with you? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. What is a mantra? I guess we should start. How would you define it? Well, I would define it, and and this is just my definition. I don't believe this is the contemplative definition necessarily, but for me, it's a word or a phrase that activates something within and has the ability to literally shift our state from ourselves into through our physiology and it can help us to align back within the mental models that we value and our psychological framework and in a sense it almost serves as an app as as we click on apps on our phone that that they open up different worlds A mantra to me is like an app that allows us to click on it. It it chunks some activation, some energy into a nifty word or phrase to have us, to help us connect and remember what we forgot in some ways. Yeah, it's a one-stop shop, a one-button solution. It's a word or a phrase, Max, that centers me. You could call it a verbal spirit animal. What is your mantra? If that's not too invasive a question, I realize it it might be. Well, there's a, a phrase I've been kicking around for about 25 years. Your will be done spirit, not mine. In me and through me, show me what I need to do this day. Mm. And that does something. 25 years. 25 years, not that's, daily, that's... not daily, and sometimes not even you know monthly. It reappears when I remember it, and it reappears when 
apparently when I need it. Mm. What? What's the story? Well, more on that one in a second, but I also have, if you picture the New York City huckster who's opens up their, their jacket and inside it's lined with a bunch of fake Rolex watches, <laughs> <laughs> that is the way I approach mantras. Don't have a specific single mantra that I go to all the time. And you used a word that I, I bristled at a little bit. You said it was a solution. And I don't view it that way. I view it as an access point to approach my current reality so that I represent myself in line with my beliefs. And that one is... Number one, when I say your will be done, spirit, not mine, it helps me to disengage from my ego. Yeah. And then I say in me and through me, which reminds me that I'm a conduit. Show me what I need to do this day is the action step that allows me to not just sit there and dwell in the words, but to create some movement. So that those three things are are real clear reminders for me about how to mitigate self-loathing and just self-interest but also it liberates me from feeling like I have all the answers and then it kicks me in the butt and says go out and do something. Mm. And its state of service, which is cool. It hasn't gotten worn out. It hasn't become trite to you. And it, it's powerful to me when I hear it and when I've heard it. That was one reason I wanted to ask you about it because I was like, I want to have to type this up in the show notes, <laughs> start to embody it. Where and when did it come to you if there's a particular origin story? It is so specific. It seems like you must have heard it or gathered it or created it somewhere. Yeah. So I said, I think I said 25 years ago, somewhere around there, roughly 25 years ago, I was in a, I would say a seeking mindset. And I had befriended an, an older couple who lived in Vermont. And their names were Paul and Winsong. And hmm. pa Paul was uh, a former, he owned a, he owned a business he sold it. He made a lot of money. And they were your classic kind of new age types. Yeah. But they were also very rugged and they're just, they were really beautiful people. They were just like, they just, they were bright. Their spirit was bright. And I, I just, I really liked them, appreciated them. And at the time I was living in the East Coast and I visited them in Vermont. And I remember it was Winsong doing dishes and she had this, you know, rosy, glowy smile on her face. Mm -hmm. And she said the first phrase, your will be done spirit. And I just, it, it clicked with me and I, it, it kind of stuck. And she was also the type of person that believed in doing the, the little things big. And if you were going to do dishes, be very present while doing the dishes and do them as efficiently as you can with a sense of joy. And so I, I remember that at the time thinking, oh God, I, I, I don't know if I can go there. <laughs> <laughs> but 
they turned me on to some of their spiritual, I guess, practices. And I don't even know exactly where they got that from because it was a long time ago. But I want to say that I finished it off. So it was your will be done, spirit, not mine, in me and through me. And then I think I've added, even a long time ago, I added, show me what to do this day. Mm. So yeah, it came from some wise elders who I, I felt a connection to. And I thought to myself, wow, when I'm old, like in my 50s, I hope <laughs> like I- in your 30s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. At the time. I hope I remember this. Well, well done. Yeah. It goes to show a little intention never hurts. Yeah. And when do you apply it or when does it kind of come back up in your life? Can you think of any examples either early on or recently or somewhere in between? I think it usually pops up when things are out of my control and I am kind of exerting a lot of energy or pressure to manipulate or change the, the, whatever situation I'm in. And if I'm wise enough to remember it, then that's when it typically comes up. And what it does is it, and when I say activate, it 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 instantly literally instantly clarifies my stance my next best step and it just sort of like serves as this wonderful filter that just drowns out all the noise and all the ego why are all these people around me not paying attention how come it's not working out the way that i want it to work out for example, we're in the process of buying a house, which is a huge undertaking, and it's something I've never done before. I've purchased a condominium before, but never a home. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of steps and there are a lot of things that are out of my control in that process, and it can be very anxiety-provoking. And so I think for these larger events in life that we need we need to play our part, but that we don't have full control over the 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 direction. That's the time that when when I remembered it to say it, that it just immediately it's like a it's like this cold shower almost. My eyes become less tense, my brow kind of unfurrows, and it's in that moment that I, I recognize how much stress I'm holding and I feel like energy is moving through me. I feel like I'm uh, really adaptable and flexible. And, and then the, the process ends up being the thing that I end up starting to enjoy. It, it creates a little bit more of this intrinsic feeling of, you know, wonder and excitement about how it's all unfolding albeit while I'm still kind of playing the next card, but I'm doing it with much more of a relaxed sense. It's cleansing, it's a wake up, and it helps you take a beat to not 
force something prematurely and step back and see what's coming to you. So it's more kind of how do I catch this or step aside for a second and let it take care of itself is what it sounds like, or at least, you know, that's my experience. Yeah. And, and I think it, it also just putting on the, the high performance coach hat, it saves me a lot of energy. Right. And I have a lot more bandwidth and I'm spending a lot less time gnawing away at and corroborating all the things that are agitating me. Yeah. Instead of what's happening to me, it's let me observe the happening. While still in action. And to me, that's the secret sauce. I can observe the happening and still be mixing it up at the same time. So I have so many questions. I've got my own <laughs> mantras I want to share with you. And I'm also just thinking how it's it's fitting that the home purchase is where this is coming up for you. The mantra is, is being of use because I feel like a common term on a mortgage is about 25 years. So you've you've paid off your mantra. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the ways you use it in action? Do you want to hear some of mine and how they've come up or go in a different direction? Your will be done, Jeremy, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear yours. Well, one of them really starts like yours, which is just let life live me or life is living me right now. And it's, I'm animated, I'm interacting, I'm alive, but I'm not in control in the sense of it has to happen this way. This ego or, or victim that you were talking about earlier, I find that idea of I'm animated by life, but it's not me as the prime mover. It's me as the witness and participant and just thing that is being moved by life in coordination with everything else. So life is living me or let life live me. That's, mm. that's one of them. Can I ask you a question about that? Are you able to express this mantra, say, once or twice and then let life live you? Do you need to continuously come back to it? Is this something that you uh, stoke in uh, a meditation or some kind of contemplative practice? How does that insert into your letting life live you? I think it's really similar setup to what you were describing, where I feel tense or I feel behind or I'm upset, or I don't know how things are going to work out, and I just want to get to the end. And that reminder, it almost always makes me, I won't say laugh necessarily, but smile. It, it makes me see it with a lot more humor. It's like, well, life is just living me right now. And I don't have to feel so responsible in a burdensome sense. I can be a plaything. A bit. I don't know if that's passive, but it doesn't feel passive to me. To me, it's a resignation to the control I have or don't have. Do you need to believe in some sense of spirituality 
is this is this type of phrase that you're using i mean it sounds deeply pragmatic but often mantra is connected to spirituality i mean does it tend to tip you in in that direction or is it more kind of rugged at heart i think it's spiritual without necessarily being religious and maybe your spirit is as well because I am alive, whatever that means. And if I think rationally, I don't really understand how free will could be real. I don't know how everything's subject to the laws of physics, except somehow my thoughts that I then act on. That doesn't make sense. In theory, the thoughts are also neurons going around with the laws of physics. But I'm alive, or I feel alive. And that fire-like crackle of thought and action and consciousness can feel overwhelming if I feel like I'm doing it wrong. Hmm. (laughs) Whereas if I let life live me, it's more like a tree. It's like I'm alive, but I'm growing as I need to grow and in response to the other environmental factors. And something I find calming, I say to myself sometimes is like, and there's no tree that's doing it wrong. You can go through an entire forest and there's no tree that's screwing up. <laughs> there's no tree that's doing a bad job. <laughs> and those are alive. We could go even you know further into rocks or <laughs> whatever else, but cats and dogs, is there a dog that's doing a bad job? I mean, we so clearly understand that they're either doing the way they got to do it or they're doing how they're conditioned. And so it really opens me up to my connection with all those other kind of forms of life or existence that let life live me too. And let me see myself as something that's animated rather than a God myself (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. doing it all wrong, if you will. Mm -hmm. The other is from a conversation that I remember quite well. It was a conversation with my wife, Chrissy, and it's just three things she said in the course of that conversation that I found so comforting and all-encompassing that I was like, I don't think I actually need to know more than these three things. This is not the only thing she said in that conversation, but I, I kind of put semicolons and made them one sentence. And I was worrying about work and how it was going and just feeling bad about that. This is, I don't know, three, four years ago. And she said, well, nothing really matters. (laughs) (laughs) And that could have been seen as dismissive, but I found it so liberating. It's like, oh yeah, nothing really matters. It's not like in a year, much less a decade, a thousand years, a million years, a billion years, I'm going to really still be in this particular moment. And I do want to do you know, the best job, take care of the opportunities I can, equip myself well in my responsibilities to other people. But this whole drama <laughs> is so silly. Because if you think it's, this really matters. No, nothing really matters. Hmm. And the conversations continued. 
and I was just a lot more relaxed, but then I got agitated again. And I was like, well, what if it just doesn't work out and I bomb it or I can't finish it or it's terrible. I let them all down. And she said, there is only now. Hmm. You're, you're leaping in your head to these future catastrophes, but there's only now. And, you know, that's just not what is happening. So you can go there, but it's just a story. And again, why spend all this time worrying about something occurring that's just not occurring? Hmm. And if I may just say the last part, I said, well, but I'm worried right now. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, well, that's a thought. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, you can have thoughts, you can have worries, but they're also just not everything. They're not all you are, and they're certainly not all the world is, or all your situation is, which is sort of between all you are and all the world is. And I've put those interpretations on them. She said all these things fairly offhand. maybe while like reading a magazine (laughs) and looking up every once in a while. But when I string them together as this little three bead rosary, I find enormous value in them. Nothing matters. There is only now that's a thought. Hmm. And I'm just like, that's it. That's Hmm. everything I need to know. Mm -hmm. Nothing really matters. There is only now that's a thought that's kind of, gets me in any situation through it or with that perspective, that cold shower that you were talking about. Mm. Yeah, I like that. It feels like it activates and liberates and clarifies all at the same time. And I'm sure people listening are going to say, yeah, but let's just assume that those that smoke that you were talking about at the beginning let's just assume that that fire actually came down from the mountain and you burned yeah. your burned your house down. Yeah. And so now that you're in that position, staring at all the ashes, everything that you owned, standing on your property, saying nothing really matters right then, do you think it would still provide you that same cold shower and activate you in the way that it does right now? I think it'd be great. (laughs) And it'd be great because I spend, like any human being, so much time worrying about stuff. And what is so funny is worrying about something happening feels like 95% of how bad it does to have the actual thing happen. The difference being I can worry about it indefinitely. I can worry about my house burning for 10 years and it will feel 95% as bad as if my house burns down, but I'll experience that for 10 years. Whereas if my house burned down, my house burned down, I will feel that at hundred percent, but within a few days, a few weeks, months, am I going to really be like, Oh my God, I can't believe my house burned down. <laughs> mm. I mean, it happened. It so clearly happened. And so that's where the, there is only now part is. And that's also where the, that's a thought is and nothing really matters. You know, I've got a poem. It's funny that you mentioned that example taped to my wall, a haiku or something like that. 
barn burnt down. Now I can see the moon. <laughs> so I think at least reflecting when I have that worry, I think of that moment. I'm like, yeah, that would be clarifying in an ironic way. If my house burned down, that'd be another cold shower. I don't think I'd be worrying. I'd, I'd be reacting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. And, and it's true. And I, so I wonder if having that realization, have you been able to kind of tamp down the 95% or have you been able to tamp down the incessant worry at all? Yeah. I mean, what I can do, and this is part of the power of that's a thought, is something comes to mind and it's like, well, that's a thought. It's a thought that you're having. Life is living me. This is a thought that's occurring, but it's not something I necessarily need to act on or dwell on or stick with. And in fact, there is only now. So what's kind of happening right now? And there are these, we were talking about mantras. There's this other practice that I was introduced to recently called Gatha, G-A-T-H-A. Are you familiar with these? No. So these are mindfulness verses. And I'm, I'm familiar with them through the Plum Village tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh. And I don't know if <laughs> there's a much longer and more elaborate origin than that. But they're ways to connect with what you are doing while you are doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I think his simple early one is breathing in. I am aware that I am breathing in. <laughs> breathing out, I am aware that I am breathing out. And that can just fill the rest of your day. Because <laughs> breathing in, I'm aware that I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I'm aware that I'm breathing out. Or if anything else comes up, that's a thought. Hmm. Breathing in, I'm aware that I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I'm aware that I'm breathing out. Breathing in, I'm aware that I'm breathing. What if my house burns down? That's breathing out. I am aware that I am thinking. What if my house burns down? Breathing in. I'm aware that I'm thinking about what happens if my house burns down. Breathing out. I'm aware that I'm breathing out. Breathing in. I hear a dog barking. <laughs> it has this space or court. I almost picture a tennis court mm -hmm. and the balls are falling within that. Breathing in, I am and whatever's happening. Breathing out, I am and whatever's happening. And it's all falling within that court instead of being transferred to the court of the worry or mm -hmm. the projection. And there's gathas for hugging, for walking, for cleaning the bathroom. <laughs> mm -hmm. You talked about dishes. I'm sure there's one for that. Washing or eating, driving, waking up, brushing your teeth, putting on clothes. And it can feel a little like, God, am I in some kind of crazy cult where I have to have this 
expression or thought beliefs, but to me, they're again, these, these centering devices that can give you a specific, pretty usable intention for the variety of situations you're in. Brushing my teeth and rinsing my mouth, I vow to speak purely and lovingly. <laughs> when my mouth is fragrant with right speech, a flower blooms in the garden of my heart. <laughs> so, gosh, I don't know. That's a lot, maybe. Waking up this morning, I smile. 24 brand new hours are before me. I vow to live fully in each moment and to look at all beings with the eyes of compassion. And I could go on. Driving. Frustration can come easily on the road. I vow to practice breathing and smiling while remembering that I am not separate from anyone. So he's got a bunch of these, but I've never gotten much further in my own practice, and I haven't gotten very far, but I tried it yesterday for my whole meditation. Breathing in, I know that I am breathing in. Breathing out, I'm aware that I am breathing out. And I didn't say it out loud. I just said it, and it was interesting to... I just noticed thoughts so much more clearly because all of a sudden I had this sharp backdrop of the breathing in, the breathing out. And it was like, how long am I going to do this? This is so childish almost, so simple. Duh. But if I stopped doing it, then my mind would go into, in a way, even more childish thing. It would just go into, you know, rote, what do you call it? Default mm -hmm. pattern thinking. Yeah. Default mode network. Default yeah. mode network. And it wasn't more sophisticated and it certainly wasn't uplifting. And by the end of that 30, 40 minutes, I felt so present to the point where I reached out to kind of turn off my timer. And it took several breaths to do that because it was like breathing in, I'm aware I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I am aware I'm breathing out. I just didn't, I actually wasn't ready to like, to be like, breathing in, I am extending my hand. <laughs> <laughs> breathing out, I am picking up the timer. Breathing in, I am feeling the cold metal on my hands. Breathing out, I hear a bird call. Breathing in, I slide my hand across the surface of the timer. Breathing out and just walking, I just was like this amazing supercharged presence and it sounds like maybe i was comatose or slow motion and i was slow but i was so precise and mm -hmm. so embodied that a it didn't matter because i was finally here in the now and two i did go through the rest of my day but i had this breathing to fall back on and this awareness and this present moment awareness to fall back on that was so rich and so the things that really slow me down aren't going slowly. They're trying to go faster than life goes. Mm. And those thoughts that follow from that. And so it was powerful to me. And that was that, that gatha. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I so many things to, to say off of that. Breathing in, I'm thinking about what to say. Yeah. <laughs> So many things happening inside of you as well while you do that. You know, you use the word cult a, a bit ago, and 
to me, it's actually the flip, right? Where the cult is actually buying all of your thoughts. That's the cult. And we're in a pretty big cult because the thoughts are pretty common for all of us and they're pretty society-wide. They really are. And it's powerful. And there's this notion of speed that we end up feeling that there's a race going on. And I, I do believe it diminishes your ability to be wholly in the moment. And I'll just use the term power as a way to contrast it with speed. The race ends up kind of sucking some of that power out of us where we're now in the clutter of all those thoughts. There's an agitation, but it's not a healthy agitation. And then within us, we're on more of a high alert and it, it's, it's this feeling of being out of control. And so I feel like this practice is really a powerful way to bring all of and gather our power. And I don't mean like dominant power. I mean, I'm just energy and just being embodied. Life. Life force. Yeah. And that is a, that's a really important skill to, to develop and to, to remember because we, we were born with it and then it kind of gets, I don't know, I, through society, through education, through materialism and everything else, it, it takes a backseat to accomplishment and whatever else that we val seem to value. And I, I was reading some research recently about the nervous system and one of my go-to neuroscientists who I just absolutely find to be just a phenomenally intelligent human being is, is Dr. Andrew Huberman. I've spoke about him before. And he was explaining the nervous system in a way that I hadn't thought of it before. I've never heard it before that he was likening what's happening internally to us like a metronome mm. so that there's a beat within. And his example was, let's say you are standing in line and he's like, what is the feeling that you get in line when you're impatient? And he said, the impatience is that the beat within you is faster than the beat externally. Mm. And that causes this impatience. However, if you are standing in that line, content, present, and then there can be a, a sense that you're not frustrated because the, your, your beat, your inner beat is attuned to the external beat and that the nervous system is constantly trying to match whatever your, your internal beat is with the external world. And so... You know, if you just think about that in normal day-to-day -day situations, you can think of the obvious, I'm stuck in traffic, I'm late for a meeting, right? Okay, well, late for the meeting. But to think about your example, you can still go into a breath practice, even though you're frustrated or agitated because you're not able to get where you want to go. So it can be a trigger 
to, and, and so I've actually spent the last week thinking about my beat whenever I'm in whatever specific moment I'm in. And sometimes your beat is too slow for the moment. The moment is moving, it's beating faster than your internal beat. And that's another reminder for your nervous system to create agitation and say, hey, let's step it up. We need to pick up our beat. And I like that as, a, as, as an image because it doesn't feel so personal and it doesn't feel like that I have to uh, be emotional about that. It's more, okay, well, yeah, I, I'm feeling impatient right now. Okay, well, then let's slow, let's slow my beat down. And I do that by breathing. I do that by some of these kind of present moment awareness type skills. I, I connect with my senses. I look around. I do some like panoramic vision where I'm checking out the horizon to try to get my beat in sync with the external world and how that can work for people who are trying to achieve something. If you think about going into a big meeting and you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling really nervous, oftentimes the beat, the external beat is faster than your internal beat. Or it's the other way around, right? I mean, you, can, you could be too racing. You could be yeah. just flying. And so, you, so you're trying to match the beat. And what it does is it gets you out of thinking and all of those different thoughts. And it's all of the agitation and different feelings that you're having in your body they don't need to be connected to some storyline or some irresponsible thought thread that is willy-nilly because thoughts just are. They're all over the place. And so I like that as a, as a guide to be able to start to try to match the moment. And, and, and it also reminds me of another thing that, that's really clear in kind of high level performance. And it's a phrase that I use a lot. You can be nervous and perform great at the same time. And I think that gets overlooked because as soon as somebody feels the feelings of nervousness, then they start thinking. And as soon as they start thinking, now you're getting yourself into the trap of whatever, you're at the mercy of all, of all those thoughts. And then they typically are negative. So those feelings then are associated with something negative. And to your mantras around being in the present moment and nothing really matters, like those are really powerful tools to use uh, in that moment. And, and for me, mine is, am I okay right now? And and when I say when I say that to myself, huh? Okay, yeah, I'm I, I'm not I don't have cancer. I'm not I'm not dropping over from a heart attack. I I'm able bodied. There's nothing threatening me in my immediate surroundings. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay right now. And I think that finding ways these sort of heat shields to keep us from burning up allow us to be able to continue to, to float through our lives more whole and more 
being lived by life, as you say. And I think that I think we're circling around some really powerful ways to 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 develop、uh, resilience and to continue to stay curious and to ground ourselves into the 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 type of calm that that. Inform our nervous systems and allow us to really live a more rich existence. What I love about that's a thought, or just saying I'm feeling nervous right now. The name it to tame it we talked about in a previous episode is it allows having the thoughts too.、Mm-hmm. It's like oh no, the thoughts are coming. I'm going to be overwhelmed. The feelings are here. I'm going to be flattened. And it's like no, you can be okay and have a thought, or you can have a feeling and be okay. And I think when you recognize it that you're having a thought, or you recognize that you're having the feeling, you already have a certain distance from it, and it's actually relaxing in a crazy way. Half of you is agitated, and the other part's kind of amused. Like, look at this crazy person. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Running around, and I call that splitting the screen,、hmm. where half of me is the consumed by the thought or the feeling, or having the thought or the feeling, and the other half's observing it.、Mm-hmm. And so that's in there, like breathing in. I'm aware that I'm breathing in, breathing out. I'm aware that I'm worried how the meeting is going to go. Breathing in. I'm aware that I'm worried about how the breathing meeting is going to go. Breathing out, I'm feeling the new socks I put on to be a little more confident as I walk into the room. <laughs> We're just—it's all in the mix. Breathing out, I hear the hum of the air conditioning machine. Breathing in, I remember that I practiced the presentation, and I think it'll go over well. <laughs> breathing out. I'm aware that I'm breathing out, and even when I was running to the bus stop, and I was feeling my heart, and I was like, "Am I taking in too much smoke? Am I out of shape? Am I going to miss this bus?" I was also like, "Am I breathing in or breathing out at this moment? How does breath work so differently when I'm running <laughs> than when I'm sitting?" I was having lunch, and I kind of was returning to that. I was doing exercises, and I was thinking, "Oh, I hold my breath for so much longer than I thought. I must have thought, 'Oh, I do a sit up, and it's in, out, in, out, breath, breath, breath.' But no, it's like in might be three or four sit ups, out might be three or four sit ups. I might hold in between, and the same thing with eating. When am I holding my breath? When is it shallow? There's This richly textured world, and maybe that sounds like minutia as opposed to these important things I was worrying about. I can't go into this minutia of breath, but I tell you, everybody, it is a whole other world. You're in that nothing really matters. <laughs> There's only now. That's a thought world, and you can have both. What's your big worry? You're going to lose all your worries. <laughs> so it's quite a bit of a ballast. And you can kind of watch and feel life living me, and it—it's not really verbal. It's much more physically embodied, and it's—it's just 
deeply kind of rooting. Yeah, and I recommend it's, so, it. It, it's so important in this and during these times as well, because it's so easy to spin out of control. And really you're the, I love the split screen imagery as well. Like I call that like the witness where I'm, I'm witnessing myself doing something and it, and it doesn't take much. Once you start to observe what you do, your curiosity just really kicks in and something that would be mundane or something you've done a million times, like a sit up is suddenly the most fascinating thing in the world when you're paying attention. So I think that one of the pieces of advice that, that I'm using a lot these days with people I'm working with is, hey, tweak your training. Tweak your training. And that doesn't, that's not like, you know, whole cloth switching things. It's just do the things that you do, but do them a, just with a little tweak. And in your case, you're talking about observing when you breathe while you're doing sit-ups. Yeah, I was not intellectually capable of counting the sit-ups, much less getting into, oh, am I in shape or out of shape, and following the breath at the same time, but I was still doing the sit-ups. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever else goes through your mind while you're doing it. I, I also really, I think that that touches on another concept that's within the umbrella of flow. As you know, I, I put that at the center of the work that I do with people, whether it's overt or covert, it's just something that I'm, I'm aware of. And when you said all of that about understanding your, your breath and, and really becoming curious about that, then sit-ups then become novel. It, it becomes this novelty. And that really drives focus into the present moment even more. So this cascading effect happens of paying more attention, even to the simple things, ends up making you more curious about them because you're seeing them from a position that you typically don't see them from. And then when you do that, it feels more novel. And when it feels more novel, you focus even more intently on it. And when you focus more intently on it, you spend less time distracted with all of those thoughts. And literally, cascades of chemicals that feel good start dropping out of your brain and through your body. Mm. And, and, <laughs> and so it has this other byproduct of feeling good. Nothing really matters. So if nothing really matters, I might as well pay 100% attention while I'm brushing my teeth. Oh, wow. The sound it makes on my canines is different than on my molars and on and on and on. And to your point about it seeming like a cult, it's just, it's creating this richness in the moment. And it's, and in my view and judgment, it's creating more buy-in that being in the moment, we're all told, hey, be more present. But not a, not a lot of us are told, hey, by being more, you know, be more present, you'll be more successful, you'll be more powerful. But, but the other thing, being more present feels good. It feels good. And once we start to feel good, then we start to want to do it even more. You mentioned focus, and that was electrifying to me. That's exactly the right word. Because this minutia or dithering of breath, in fact, is a focusing practice. And focus is a skill 
a strength and it's transferable. That's what was happening yesterday. I'm realizing once you said that word, when I had the focus on the breath and I stuck with it to keep that focus and to return to it, whatever other tasks I was doing, that strength I was able to use. In the same way I might do a physical therapy exercise and then be able to use that muscle in a physical thing, a sport, that focus. When you go into read or write or do whatever else you have to do, decision-making in the day, that focus is still there, that channeling. And I, I just wouldn't have articulated that till you said it. And so it was just so exciting to me because I was like, oh yeah, that's what's happening. So it's not just diverting me from the thoughts, it's channeling me into whatever actions I want to do. And that kind of circles back to, you said, this is tools ultimately for use in action. Mm -hmm. And I'm finally making the internal connection from what you said. That's awesome. I love that. And think about what you said a few minutes ago that while you were doing sit-ups and you were focusing on your breath, you couldn't focus on counting your sit-ups. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm doing 20 of them. I'm just breathing until... I'm feeling it fully. And that's what's so interesting about focus is that there's this myth that we could just take in all this information. But the, the actuality is if, if I'm talking to you and one other person starts talking to you, that's about all you can focus on. As soon right. as a third person introduces, you can't hear any of it anymore. And so really then it becomes our choice of what we want to pay attention to. And I think it's similar to kind of building a muscle where that focus about doing your breath practice, then all of a sudden you can transfer that to focusing on river surfing or whatever else is that you're doing more robustly and more locked in. And what you pay attention to is, is the perception that, you, that, that life becomes. So it's really, it's bigger than a breath practice. It's bigger than any kind of contemplative practice. It's literally a, a skill and a muscle to develop, which then ends up shaping how you perceive your life and, and the world around you. Take us home with mantras. How do people find their own mantra? Where should they use it? Or what's the way to kind of put our head around this and put it into our life if we want to give it a try? I like to reverse engineer this process. And, and I guess. By you know, framing it that way, I ask people, I ask all of you in the, that are listening, think about when you're at your best. Think about some specific situations in your life that, you're, that you look back on fondly about how you showed up and start to unpack not just the details of the event, but more the details of what was happening inside of you. And do all of this with a piece of paper, open a Google Doc, however you want to do it. And as you're doing this, as you're recreating, bringing to life the experiences when you are most powerful, when you're feeling most proud, when you are uh, expressing the most love, when you stuck the landing in whatever performance venue that you were in, whether you were 
uh, really engaged and felt authentic in a relationship setting or scenario, your best self, you get to define that obviously. But once you, once you do, and once you explore, it, it's like kind of going back in time. Let's just say you could transport yourself back to that moment and watch yourself with that Google doc, with that piece of paper, start just jotting down notes about some of the language, some of the words that feel connected to that activation, to that sense of pride, to that authenticity. And within those words lies the clues for your mantra. And, and treat this as a, as a process. Mantras, you don't necessarily find them, they find you. Hmm. So that first rough hunk of clay of some of these words that you put down on this page that's the raw material and as with any creation you want to distill that down start saying those words out loud and start to feel what what happens inside your body for me another one that these these ultimately end up becoming intention these this is the intention that you set for yourself so I may wake up and just say, peace. And that word, peace, for me, it changes the vibration within myself. And so I will use that as a way to set the intention for what I want to be that day, how I want to show up, and mostly have fun with this process. This is not supposed to yeah. be a grind. This is supposed to be a gift that you're giving yourself. So enjoy it. We'll put, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So enjoy it, uh, appreciate it and mostly experience it. We'll put ours in the show notes. I'll link to the gathas too, and all sorts of other goodies. Damon, I am picturing you at your new house <laughs> and you are washing the dishes <laughs> and some 25, 26, 27 year old kid walks in because he thinks you're kind of a cool guy <laughs> and he hears you say what you heard at that age and he carries it and makes it his own or she makes it her own. So that's my vision <laughs> of the mantra generation three. Thank you everyone so much. There's only now. Thanks for spending now with us. Thank you for letting life live you in our direction. And we're, we're grateful. Please share your comments, your thoughts, your stories, and share the show with everyone else you can. We'd enjoy it too. Be well, everyone. Stimulus and Response is hosted by Damon Valentino and Jeremy N. Smith and produced by Matt Mullins at Black Rooster Productions. Please rate, review, and share the show. And please join us next time for another stimulating exploration of the best parts and best ways of being human and being alive.